conversations about yesterday's animation. Animations. Saturday morning at Cartoon Fair. Days past Tooncast. Days past Tooncast. Hello and welcome to the Days Past Tooncast. My name is Will. My name is Travis. And on this podcast, we have adult conversations about yesterday's animations. I saw the first Spirit Halloween store go up today. There was a, a sighting? Yeah, I went to the... I, look, we're recording this episode yeah. in advance because that's what we got to do <laughs> to keep bringing you quality <laughs> entertainment. All this freshness. I saw it go up, and that's how I knew that the Halloween season is yep. upon us. The flag has been thrown up. <laughs> Jack Leonard flag is up now. <laughs> and I saw it today go in the grocery store, and I just said, man, how fitting that we are doing our first Halloween-themed episode of 2021 today. Hell yeah, man. If you check social media, this is especially true right now. And I bet as this episode releases and we're deep into the heart of the season of The Witch, <laughs> uh, that this will be true. What's popular on social media around this time? Horror. Uh-huh. Crime. Always popular. Oh, true yeah. crime specifically. Always. Yeah. Dogs. Yes. I mean, animals in general, yep. but dog pictures, dog videos, dog anything. Yep. We love dogs. It's nanners. I lo must love dogs, uh -huh. and I do. And the cartoon <laughs> that we're covering today happens to have horror mm -hmm. and crime, yeah, uh, mysteries, <laughs> and a single beloved dog. Oh, yeah. A cartoon starring a teenage supernatural detective outfit collectively known as Mystery Inc. and their mascot, who is a very good boy indeed, <laughs> named Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Scooby, we're looking for you. Well, we, we found, found you. No, we found him. Yeah, we, we found him. We watched an episode starring him and his friends. We're going all the way back to 1969 Oh, today. man, what a great year. This is the tune that taught us that heroes can be dumb and dorky and vain and cowardly <laughs> and still be heroes, <laughs> yeah. okay? Because the ones that think they're heroes and are heroic are also stupid. And the ones who are not heroic and maybe not so stupid— they're all kind of stupid, are, are just, they're chicken shits. They will uh -huh. run away at the first sign of danger. And they have an entire theme song calling out the title character, Scooby-Doo, for being chicken. <laughs> that whole song, I looked up the lyrics because it's a weird, it's, it's a great song. That's classic oh, theme yeah. song. But oh, they're yeah. asking, where is our missing hero? Uh -huh. Oh, he's hiding from whatever's <laughs> happening that we're here to investigate. And I mean, they just need to let the, the dog just run. I don't like dogs to be afraid. That's my my big complaint about, I really enjoyed watching this cartoon. It was a lot of fun. And I'm a fan of the Scoob and the Super Shag. Super fan over here. But I will say, it's a little hard for me as a dog lover, as an animal lover. I don't like dogs being afraid. And I don't like people trying to make dogs do things they don't want to do. And on paper, that means this is the worst cartoon <laughs> for me. Because that dog is always afraid of what's going on. You're right. You're uh, Travis, right. did you grow up with Scoob in your life? I most definitely did. That definitely played in the mornings, you know, while I was eating pancakes and, and hanging out, man. Man, pancakes. Oh, yeah. That's a I, fancy I, household. I vividly remember pancakes and Scooby-Doo, man. They pair well together. They do. I think there was just a good, there was a good run of, uh, of these cartoons in the morning along with some Hanna-Barbera. Some other Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they've... <sighs> 
here's the thing. Today, uh-huh. we're going we're gonna to get into some history and some origins of Scooby, and we're not even going to get into the entire history. We're going to save some of it for a future episode because mm-hmm. there's too much. Yeah. It's been playing since 69 <laughs> in some form pretty much the whole time. Yep. And it has crossed over into movies and other media just uh, across the board. It's too much stuff. Not going to do it all today. Yep, we're just going to section it off for you. Yes, but it's been on television, even just in rerun, somewhere. It's like Seinfeld and now Friends and, I don't know, uh, Happy Days. <laughs> the holy trinity of TV reruns. Scooby is one of those. It's yep. You've always had a Scoob uh-huh. running on the boob tube. Yep. My Scooby growing up, I th- it would come on Cartoon Network and I didn't dislike it. <laughs> but it, it is such a formula. My, I think my big complaint is that they just never really ran into ghosts very much. Oh, they yeah. would run into a supposed ghost, <laughs> and then we'll talk about it today. It's usually just a person in a mask, and that's disappointing to a kid like me who was watching sightings uh-huh. and reading UFO books at the time. Like, I don't want that reveal. That's a bummer. Yeah, That's a disappointment <laughs> to me. Every once in a while, just throw me a bone. <laughs> the bone from a living uh-huh. skeleton, man. <laughs> So it makes sense that the one that I loved as a kid was uh, one of the direct-to-video movies from 1988, Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. Like calling all Scooby-Doo fans, check out our latest mystery, Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. In it, Scooby, Shaggy, they go to what they think is a girl's school that they're going to be headmasters at or teachers. Like, they're not equipped for this, <laughs> but that's their job. Now, yeah. to teach at a girl's school, well, it's a ghoul school. And that means that all of the students are the daughters of famous monsters. So there's real monsters in this one. And I was finally vindicated and given what I wanted Hell yeah. as a consumer. <laughs> But the Scooby-Doo origin goes back 20 years to 1968 when a group of concerned parents came together as ACT, A-C-T, Action for Children's Television, Mm -hmm. which sounds like they want more action in kids' TV. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which, in fact, it's to say that that's the opposite of what they wanted is reductive. I think it's really easy for people just to paint this whole thing as, oh, this is just a bunch of parents who don't understand what their kids can and can't handle Um, I don't think it was as simple as that, but ACT wanted two things, less or no advertising in kids' programming. Oh, okay. Which is probably never going to happen unless on PBS, I guess. But less, they actually managed to get that going. They also wanted program diversity in kids' programming. And they didn't mean in like a woke sense, this is 1968. Mm -hmm. They didn't mean diversity of ethnicity or anything. They meant Everything is a monster. Everything is a superhero. Everything is just action and violence. Can we get some education, something a little different on the air? Mm -hmm. And broadcasters listened, for better or worse. By the end of 1969, Hanna-Barbera specifically had canceled pretty much all of its superhero cartoons, which included Space Ghost. And I don't even think that that's what they wanted. I think they just wanted more room for education and things that just aren't people hitting each other Uh or shooting ray guns. You know, the good stuff. Yeah. And I guess they kind of got that out of this, but they also got Scooby-Doo and some other stuff, which I can't say is educational. Well, it teaches you not to trust. (laughs) It's true. Don't trust. (laughs) Anybody who looks suspicious, you Uh should be suspicious of them. They're probably trying to save their business by haunting people. (laughs) (laughs) True. Don't trust. The main takeaway, Hanna-Barbera had canceled a number of cartoons that were in production by 1969. They got to have cartoons. That's what Hanna-Barbera is about. That's what you do. That's what they do. And Fred Silverman, the CBS executive producer, was going to throw him a bone. 
He asked them to develop a new cartoon similar to another one that was on the air, using that as a base. It was a very popular, it was a hit, hit show. Archie. Archie, baby. Archie. The Archie Show. Everything's Archie. Based on Archie from Archie Comics. Archie's here. If you are younger or not a Archie nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Then it's basically it's Riverdale, the animated series 50 years ago, and produced by our favorite Lou Scheimer oh, yeah. and Filmation. And the budget masters. That's, that's, budget masters, that's right. Archie! And Archie was about a group of teenagers from Riverdale. They played songs. Uh-huh. Their music was a big part of it. They had a band. <laughs> yep. And that was they got into little kooky adventures, nothing supernatural, uh, nothing scary for the kids. So they got, you know, I mean, I'm sure that flew in under the radar. I don't know how ACT felt about that as far as, again, education oh, goes. Arms, arms folded, concerned, but you shall pass. They're like, there's no... There's no monsters, <laughs> and there's no nobody threw a punch. Like, like Jughead didn't punch Archie. We'll allow it. So Fred Silverman, CBS exec, says, Hannah, Barbara, do me a favor. Make me an Archie, but make it about teenagers solving mysteries. Uh-huh. And I guess teenagers make better detectives than they do spies. Because we were talking last episode about James Bond Jr. and how you just should not employ anyone between the ages of 13 and 18 for spy work. Detective work, maybe. Uh-huh. I guess kids can really, like, especially kids these days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? They're going to be crawling down those Google holes, uh-huh. those wiki tunnels. They're going to go through all of your Twitter posts. They will and find out. something. So at least now I can totally see that. I don't know if I would have hired any 1969 teenagers to, to really to do anything, uh-huh. probably. I mean, they're probably good with their hands, right? Like like digging <laughs> ditches and stuff. Right. Ultimately, the job fell on two fellows that you and I are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, who we know for forming later Ruby Spears Productions and creating such cartoons as Rambo and the Force of Freedom, maybe most famously and most importantly, <laughs> and some other great work as well. Yes. But they were working at Hanna-Barbera at the time, and they were the ones that took the Scoob idea, which was not the Scoob idea at this point. It was the Archie plus mystery idea. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> the Mi- Archie minus, plus mystery Minus product. music, or maybe I think music might have still been in it for that. So it was music originally, them being a band was still the idea. And at some point in this process, that didn't keep. Throw mystery ink on it and let's, let's, let's get them in it. a group. And they knew, like we said, that they wanted a dog on the show. They wanted a dog presence. Even then, they knew dogs Dogs were going to be having a time. Dogs sell. Originally, the dog on the show was going to be named Too Much. T-O-O, Much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Travis, I don't know if you remember, uh, there is a cartoon that we've covered called Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. And there is a young man on that show who goes by the name Too Much. And that seems to be the only thing that he says on the show, as I recall. (laughs) Too much! Too much! And that is a cartoon produced by Ruby Spears. Oh, the connection. So they just had to hold on. They're like, that name is too good. Too much, too good. We got to hang on to it. We got to throw it on something else later. Finally, they found the right name for the dog, at least, Mm -hmm. from maybe an unlikely source. Frank Sinatra's Strangers in the Night. For strangers in the night. Specifically, his masterful scatting at the end of this song. Just wait. Doobie doobie doo. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a fun... As a scat goes, 
That's not a scat, uh, is it? I mean, it's really just. I mean, zabbity, zabbity. he really just kind of goes zabbity, uh, at the end of it, like he just runs out of steam and doesn't his, remember his, words. His quaalude hit him at that point. <laughs> there you go. So they had their dog, they had their pup <laughs> in place. They finally found the right name, Scooby Doo. You look it up. There's a lot of sources out there for Scooby Doo info. I don't know who to trust. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, I probably watched about three, three to four different YouTube videos. Man, I'm I'm queued up. <laughs> a whole Will. three to four YouTube uh, videos. I'm queued up. <laughs> okay. Well, you maybe you heard about this. Supposedly his first name is uh, Scoobert. Yes. Like Hubert. Okay. So his full name, I guess, is Scoobert Doo. He is a Great Dane. Yep. And he was voiced by a legendary voice actor, Don Messick. From its inception, 1969, all the way through 1996. (laughs) Amongst his many credits, Don Messick, was another famous dog, less famous. Like, it's a B or C list dog celebrity. Astro from the Jetsons. Another Hanna-Barbera. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's a good dog. Yeah. I mean, they're all good. good. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. For the record, they're all good. Uh Uh-huh. Every dog is good. (laughs) That's a pretty good one. Yeah. But if you check out Astro's voice, uh, more his speech pattern, he may not sound just like Scooby-Doo, but he does share a certain speech impediment in common. Astro say, hi, Mom. Rye-Rom. Rye-Rom. What kind of talk is that? Oh, Roy, this is great. Oh, boy, this is great? Yeah. So he was already experimenting, Don Messick, with the use of R's uh, <laughs> as early as the Jetsons. Uh-huh. One of the, def- aside from cowardice, one of the defining traits of Scooby, he's a super sweet guy. Oh, I yeah. mean, look, he's a sweet dude. Sweetheart. Yeah. He loves food. Oh, yeah. As most dogs do. Oh, yeah. But the thing that makes him go wild. Mm-hmm. Scooby snacks. Oh, yeah. They look like just little dog treats. Yep. They make me hungry for oh, how oh, much yeah. he wants them. Oh, yeah. But they give him, they give Scooby one of these treats whenever they want him to do something, which when you do that with your dog in the real world, a dog that doesn't talk, it doesn't feel exploitative to give a dog a treat to do a trick uh-huh. or whatever. But with Scooby, in like, this case, yeah, it, he's a sapient being. Uh-huh. He, he, he has wants and desires and he actively is saying to you, right, I want to do that. <laughs> And then you say, well, let me just hack your brain really quick. Let me just short circuit you with some food. And then he goes, rrr, rrr, rrr. And, he, I mean, and the, there's this classic animation they do where he jumps up in the air and floats down afterwards. Uh-huh. And it's, it's very cute, but it feels like you are forcing this dog into a very bad situation. It's not fair. Problematic. I'm going to reprogram your brain. In coming up with the characters that they wanted to populate the show with. Hanna-Barbera looked to a very popular television show at the time to, now that I've seen it, I wasn't familiar with this show, and now that I've taken even a cursory look at it, it feels like, oh, so Scooby-Doo isn't even an original creation Uh. anymore. It is just (laughs) this thing. The many loves of Dobie Gillis. The format, not at all like Scooby-Doo. Like, Dobie Gillis didn't walk around with his friends and solve mysteries or... Or get scared or smoke weed off screen. (laughs) Oh, Travis, later I'm going to fucking harangue you for that. You were going to get so much shit from me for that joke. (laughs) Don't You just wait. (laughs) Dobie Gillis was a popular show starring teenagers. It was a bit of a comedy. Looking at the characters in that show and now on Scooby-Doo, it it was like a one-to-one. Actually, based on Dobie Gillis, is the blonde football captain-looking fellow named Fred Jones. Mm -hmm. The only teenager not in drama club to ever wear an ascot. (laughs) Like, 
He looks like he's an off-duty sailor, <laughs> he doesn't does. he? It's such. He does. I, was this a look that it's like a white sailor shirt with jeans and, and boots, but then he has this big old ascot, and it just doesn't seem to fit his character. He's not a hippie, uh-huh. and he's not he's not in drama club. He's just a big, kind guy that wants to solve mysteries and seems seems a little dopey. I wish I could find some kind of groovy road sign that would tell us where we are. That's just it, sir. I think we're lost. We still need a solid clue as to what's going on here. He was portrayed to this day, still going, by one Frank Welker, baby. Oh, Frank Welker all the way. F-dub. It's been a while since we've talked about Frank yeah, Welker. It has. I was looking at his credits earlier today, yeah. and it's one of these things where it's like, even if I bring up somebody else on this show that's done a lot of work, their page mostly loads quickly. And it's just words and images. Like, this should not take long. It's not video. And right. his, I kept scrolling down and scrolling down and finding more parts. Living legend. He is. And he also seems like one of the nicest people in the world. The way that I got Freddie, I was doing a stand-up routine. I did, like, a dog and cat fight. A lot of, you know, And this executive said, you know, we're doing a show called Scooby-Doo. And there's a dog, why don't you come in and audition for Scooby-Doo? So I went over there and I got the script and I saw Shaggy funny character, you know, and I'm always playing the straight guys. And so I sit down and meet Casey and he's just fantastic. I said, well, what part are you reading for? And he says, oh, I'm reading for Shaggy and I want to read for Freddie. Of course, Casey means Casey Kasem. Oh, yeah. Who ultimately was the voice of Shaggy. And to try and switch him now, I don't know, is like asking... Should Nick Cage have played John Travolta's part in Face Off? Can you even imagine it? Can you imagine that switch off? (laughs) Good comparison. Casey Kasem, up to this point, he was mostly known as a radio voice, as he was for so many years. (laughs) Hi, this is Casey Kasem. The countdown will begin this Sunday afternoon at 1, right here on the radio station you grew up with. Music Radio 138. Oh, fuck. And we've, I, I've snuck uh, Casey Kasem outtakes onto this show a few times before. That's not from Scooby-Doo. That's from him reading shit for the radio. If you could hit that one more time. The countdown will begin tomorrow afternoon at 2, right here on 97 Fun, where the music... <laughs> shit. Right here on Center County's most popular radio station, WRSC, Radio 1390. Fuck it. Right here on WDHP-FM, your favorite music radio. Ah, oh, fuck it. That was right. You're right. Bullshit. <laughs> the countdown will begin this Saturday morning at 9 and again Sunday morning at 9 right here on Maine's most listened to radio station, W... I'm not going to say all that shit. How do I know they're the most listened to station? Oh, yeah. I like it. <laughs> they put my name on that shit. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because he reads so much copy, I'm sure, all the time. I mean, he was like an, he was on the radio. If he wasn't on Scooby-Doo, he was on the radio. Every market. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, so like he had to have said a thousand things that are like, this toothpaste is the best. And then uh-huh. I mean, maybe that was just his integrity coming through. Uh, thank you, Casey Kasem, for the, the two biggest gifts you gave us, which were <laughs> Shaggy Rogers and those outtakes, outtakes right there. Yeah. Norval... Shaggy Rogers. His name is Norval Rogers, <laughs> the character of Shaggy. Ah, uh, don't like surprises, especially spooky ones. I'm fixing me a super Shaggy sandwich. Like what? My favorite. A double, triple decker sardine and marshmallow fudge sandwich. Zoinks! 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 I always felt like Shaggy seemed like a very interesting, unique take on a character. One like, of a kind. How did yeah. they come up with this guy? Uh-huh. Well, if you look at Dobie Gillis and you look up the character Maynard G. Krebs, 
you will be met with the face of Shaggy in real life. And I don't mean Matthew Lillard, who is a great Shaggy. The best. (laughs) Perhaps the best Uh real life Shaggy. (laughs) If you look up Maynard G. Krebs, he is Shaggy. The haircut, the little like, I don't know, like whiskers, goatee, everything. Yeah. He was a beatnik. They just updated him to be a hippie and barely did that because Shaggy doesn't look like any hippies I remember seeing Uh, in pictures of Woodstock, uh, really. Yeah, right. (laughs) Now, Travis, you made a joke earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm about to take you to task for it, okay? okay so let's get it, your please. defenses up. Yep, on it. You made a joke about Shaggy smoking pot. Yeah. And it was 1969. Shaggy's uh-huh. supposed to be a hippie of some kind. Or even if he was a beatnik, they certainly partake. They smoked some pots partake. in their time. No one who created or portrayed Shaggy, so Casey Kasem, Ruby, and Spears, thought that he smoked pot. They all actively have said, we didn't think that was his deal. Oh, okay. So they, they lied they lie to themselves. <laughs> Is that what they're getting at? It, maybe in 1970, this is a joke that we could all laugh about because, like, you know, everyone's smoking pot, but it's not legal and it's a big deal. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but in 2021, in a world of edibles and CBD stores on every fucking corner. Oh, yeah. And celebrity brand weed strains. <laughs> are Scooby-Doo drug jokes funny? Are they? Yes. Oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, they are a bunch of teenagers and a dog that they can hear talk uh-huh. rolling around in a van. Always hungry. Yeah. They always, stay hungry. Lots of hungry. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I just. Don't PG it up last minute. I'm not try trying to, to. Pull me up. You look, know? I'm not trying to PG anybody. I'm just telling you from a taste perspective. <laughs> as a comedian, as your comedic partner, yeah. I'm telling you, I just, I feel like, were they ever funny? Uh-huh. I mean, because we, how many like red eyed versions of Shaggy have you seen probably on a poster at Spencer's Gifts or what, like next to a Bob Marley poster? A gajillion? Yeah. Maybe a Kazil. <laughs> a smooth Kazil. A uh, smooth Kazil. <laughs> one of the characters that, if people are smoking pot in Mystery Inc., one who seems like she doesn't so much, Daphne Blake, the beauty of the group. That's uh-huh. one of her main things is she's a pretty lady. Yeah. That's that's kind of her role. She's damsel, she's going to get kidnapped well, and okay. every So they have this extremely sweaty nickname for her, Danger Prone Daphne. Danger Prone Daphne did it again. Somebody sat around for a day trying to think <laughs> up this nickname and then made people call her that. But she trips on stuff, she gets kidnapped, she she has some issues with that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, she's a red-haired gal, and she she's dressed mostly in purple. She's like the the lady from Breaking Bad, uh-huh. but with red hair. But she's also wearing a green scarf. These kids know how to accessorize. Oh, they do. Everybody has some good fashion business going uh-huh. on. So that's why when they made the movies in the 90s, or I guess in the 2000s, they really didn't have to change anything. Right. Like, it still looks cool. Scarfs are in. Accessory is the name of the game. She was one of the characters that has had a few different people play her over the years, mostly been played by the second voice actor to voice her, which was Heather North, who did that until 1997. How come no matter where we go, there's always a tower and it's the creepiest room in the building? And finally, rounding out the Mystery Inc. team is Velma Dinkley. I, Come I for, on down, I Velma. forget that they have last names. You know, you just think of them as Fred, <laughs> Velma, Shaggy. That's who they are. But Velma Dinkley, it's a perfect name for how she looks and how she sounds. She is a uh, straight-up nerd. Uh-huh. And dorked up. <laughs> just way dorked just up. Just dorked up, And she just left the house all dorked up today. <laughs> <laughs> she was originally played by Nicole Jaffe. Then there was a lot of turnover 
over the years. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. If it was just too many jinkies uh, or what the deal is. That's her one of her sayings that she would always say jinkies when she figures something out. Jinkies. Jinkies. Oh, jinkies. She is super smart. Knows a bunch of trivia. Like today, she would be a top Wikipedia editor. Uh-huh. Like every article would have been last edited by Dinkles542 or something. <laughs> and she would have a true crime podcast. Oh, That's yeah. That's for sure. Heavy. She didn't in this episode. But if any of the members of Mystery Inc. do machines, uh-huh. <laughs> she would be the one. Yeah. She would have to be You're the right. one who does machines. Yeah. But she is a skeptic. She doesn't believe in the supernatural. And, you know, they're always encountering things that at least seem supernatural on the show. So she's always the one that's going to call that shit out. (laughs) And she's really the only detective on the team. Like, people find clues, but they usually just stumble onto Uh them. (laughs) And then she's the one that pieces them together and says, okay, I got it now. I realize. There's a logical explanation. (laughs) She turns into a robot and says how she figured it. I mean, she might be a robot. (laughs) Although robots don't need glasses. They might have them for Mm, for some fashion reasons. You're right. I guess that's her weakness. Her one real weakness on the show is that she is always losing her glasses. Oh, like she yeah. needs one of those, like the basketball players with the rubber band yeah, around the, the back. Yeah, the she needs Rick some goggles. And when she loses them, <laughs> she says every time, I can't see without my glasses. <laughs> hey, my glasses. I can't see without them. And this apparently came from the voice actor who did wear glasses saying that when she lost her glasses at the the table read and just said, I can't find my glasses. I need my glasses. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah. Well, one more time. Wait, yeah, one more time. Okay. I've heard a few people who have glasses and need glasses in the world say this, and I don't begrudge them having a, an ocular issue or ha- needing to wear glasses or whatever. Yeah. But people with glasses, I'm begging you. If you lose your glasses, stop saying, I need my glasses. I can't see without my glasses. You are sending out a signal to every bully in a 50-mile radius. Uh-huh. Come get me. Dinner's on. This is the, the most ring, pathetic ring. Yeah. thing uh-huh. you can say. <laughs> oh, no, I'm weak again. With this crack team assembled, Mystery Inc. plus a dog, Hanna-Barbera, Ruby, and Spears all were ready to deploy the classic cartoon, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? is a unique approach to a title for a kid's show. I I like sentences Uh. as titles. That's cool. (laughs) That's great. Uh, It is a question. Yep. Scooby-Doo, comma, where are you? But then they put an exclamation point. Uh Uh-huh. Which is... Is it grammatic? Is it? No, you no. can't do that. Here, if anything, and I forget the term, but it needs a question mark, exclamation point combo. Uh-huh. That's what I would do. Yeah. Because that makes it, that's always funny. That's a uh-huh. funny, that's one of the funniest things in grammar <laughs> is question mark, exclamation point. Oh, oh, yeah. We watched a single episode of this, the original series, because uh, it, it's the the classic brand. It's the classic Coca-Cola uh-huh. of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the OG given, with sugar. Yeah, real cane sugar. Because yep, given cane. how many of them there have been over the years, like there were a lot of choices. And we just wanted to get, what was the original idea? What what, what were they going for? Uh-huh. We watched a single episode. Yes, sir. Uh, entitled Haunted House Hang-Up. It was the fifth episode of the second season. Released October 10th, 1970. 51 years ago. Uh-huh. What? That's Excuse cray. Squeeze me. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Man, I mean, we're close to 40. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. You're a I'm month older grown, than I'm me. I'm grown in reverse. <laughs> well, in some ways. Oh. 51 years ago, they put this episode out. I just actually, on October 10th, I mean, when this, when our episode's coming out, it'll be right around that time. So everyone get out your birthday cakes and celebrate. 
<laughs> the birth of this episode. Complete madness. Watching, I'm sure, any more than two episodes of the original Scooby-Doo and most Scooby-Doo shows, it starts to feel like you're watching Law & Order, like a Law & Order <laughs> marathon. Because every episode, it's going to be this person, you think they did it, and then they did. Or yep. on Law & Order, it became over time, oh, they figured it out. Okay, it looks like it's this person. Actually, it's this person. You were just, you're being walked through a, a, an obstacle course of storytelling. And that's what they do on Scooby-Doo. We're here to take a look at the anatomy of a Scoob. <laughs> Cut him open. Cut him open. Yep. Unearth the body. <laughs> Hashtag unearth Scooby. Uh-huh. <laughs> like most episodes of Scooby-Doo, this episode starts with the Scooby gang driving somewhere. Uh -huh. They are usually driving around in the mystery machine, which yep. is their big, uh, elaborately decorated van. Mm -hmm. I, I've driven a few vans in my life. Yeah, and yeah, yeah you told me about it. Yep. It seems like you could maybe lay out and fit a few people back there just to have a slumber party, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. Because they, they got to be living out of this thing because <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I think they're out of high school. I think of them as between high school and college. This one summer, this group of teens and their pup, they're going around solving mysteries and just traveling around the country. Yep. They have they have a little bit of graduation money or something. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my take. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Take it or leave it, but I'm right. No, I'll, I'll take it. They're based out of a place called Coolsville, Ohio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> You're not familiar with that? I'm not familiar with that. I mean, you know, actually, I think the Fonz might have been the mayor of Coolsville. <laughs> They're driving. Well played. And that's, that's we're already on track for hitting all of the marks of a Scoob. They're always going to be driving, and they're always going to get lost, and or their van is going to break down. Uh -huh. We get both. <laughs> Man, what a, just an embarrassment of riches in this episode. <laughs> a treat. They get lost in the woods and get out to figure out where the hell they are, and then later on, their van's going to break down, <laughs> overheats. Again, I mean, these are kids between high school. They don't know how to work on cars. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And that thing is not in good condition. No, no, it was passed down from their, their grandfather or something. Someone's, someone's, it's, a it's an someone's heirloom, grandpa. Yeah. an heirloom van. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and right away, another piece of the puzzle falls into place, the Scoob puzzle, because you got to have a very clearly shady stranger, someone who you just should not trust from Jump Street, <laughs> who comes to talk to the kids. In this case, it is a man called Mr. Shanks. Name's Asa Shanks. You better be on your way quick as possible. And already, that's not a trustworthy name. He doesn't seem so much like a guy who would shank you, but he does seem like Lurch from Adam's Family, but in overalls. Oh, yeah. Like, he's yeah. just a scary farmer. A at nighttime, uh, walking towards you holding a... A gas yeah. lamp? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Lamp. If the man even approached me, I would have jumped back into the van because I'm a scaredy cat. I'm uh, a Scooby. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a Scooby and a Shaggy. <laughs> he announces the location of the rest of the episode. In this case, the Haunted Mansion. The Haunted Mansion. What it always turns out to be is that this is someone who's pulling a scam and they're trying to get you not to go there for real because they're trying to steal treasure or they're trying to get their business back, whatever. Yeah. Just don't even mention that there's a mansion if you don't want people to go there. These kids are lost. Just say, hey, go that way, away uh -huh. from the place. <laughs> but he warns them not only of a haunted mansion, but of the headless specter. The headless specter. The, the headless Phil Spector. <laughs> That would be, well, you ca he kind of loses a lot of his fear factor if you do that because the, the fro was half the, the battle with him. You're right. Man, the ghost of Phil Spector would be good because I don't know how much threat he would be as a ghost. <laughs> now he's finally, you can just listen to him talk shit about the people he records uh -huh. and you don't have to deal with his, his revolver. He can't pull a gun on you. The headless specter, he says, you don't want to deal with it. And then no other details. They ask him, what's the deal with this headless specter? And he just wanders off into the <laughs> distance and disappears. So 
Cool, man. Thank you. You know it's a good time. And even in season two, Scooby and Shaggy are so afraid of ghosts that the mere mention of a ghost sends them into trembling convulsions. Yeah. And ghosts. Which I didn't realize that's where that came from. I knew I'd been wondering where that came from, and I figured I would never find out. And it's like it's like discovering a map of Atlantis. Beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. Ghosts. You should probably could, shouldn't bring these guys as part of your team, but I'm assuming that Shaggy owns the van. Oh yeah, and then for he also sure. and Scooby and him are a or, package or, deal. Or Scooby owns it. It's some weird. <laughs> yeah, that sounds weird. Right. Setup where Scooby owns it. Yep. But they do, of course, break down in front of the haunted house, the haunted mansion. Excuse me. As expected, Freddie sends Scooby and Shaggy to go get some water from the well for their overheating van, and they immediately encounter a well ghost. <laughs> And it's the worst kind. They just rise out of the well. Oh, that's the worst. It's just one of those sheet ghosts. That's uh-huh. nothing special. No gore or anything. Um, and it scares them all into the mansion where they are scared again by a floating candle. Uh. A very believable floating candle. And that scares them into another room with a portrait of an old man, Jefferson Stillwall. And his head keeps disappearing off and on on the portrait. Uh-huh. This is a haunted mansion. Uh-huh. I went to the Haunted Mansion when I was in Disney World over the summer. It was a lot of like, you're looking at it. You're like, man, how did they make these things happen? I know these aren't ghosts, but how did they make the ghosts? Did they update that thing yearly or is it just like the, the, it is what it is and it's been like that for. Uh, They update it with any celebrities who have died recently. They put their ghosts in the. (laughs) You bastard. (laughs) I don't know about yearly, but it's certainly not what it was in 1963 or whatever when they built it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's good. I think it's an array of... <laughs> you're, you're an asshole. <laughs> you can tell on my face that I already uh-huh. had decided on my joke before you even finish. It's an array of technologies, like both old like stagecraft where it's uh-huh. like, how oh, did I make that two holograms to everything else? And it's it's less scary uh, than it is cool. I didn't know if you were cool. going to find some animatronics that like, you can see the metal underneath it and well, it's just beat down. No, no. They, they, they uh, clean that stuff okay. up, man. It's Disney. Oh, okay, it's Disney. Babe. And because, again, we all know that there is not a ghost here. You and I know as viewers, there's not a ghost here on this cartoon. (laughs) This is going to be revealed. All these things will be revealed as somebody's machinations. This happens in every episode. Somebody pulls off some really impressive effects work Mm -hmm. to like a floating candle and a disappearing head and all this shit. Someone needs to go to all of these arrests from the Scooby-Doo gang and round them up and send them off to Disney uh-huh. because that's where they're needed. They're doing incredible work. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? If they could just do that, they could save their company. Yes. They won't even need a company. Yeah, for sure. Disney's the company. Their house will not be foreclosed on. <laughs> You'll be able to make that payment to the that's bank right. and in it. I'm hoping that's where they went and uh-huh. that they're all working at Disney. Universal now. just. Uh, Mickey Mouse shows up to your jail cell and offers you two choices. <clears throat> Come work for us or go to jail forever. <laughs> it's like getting offered to be an FBI hacker. Uh-huh. In the room with the portrait with the disappearing head, the gang finds a box. Could be a clue, they say. (laughs) They're already mysteries and clues. This is what they're all about. Every episode, somebody in the gang is going to get super excited about the fact that they got a mystery on their hands. As soon as the van started puttering, they're like, yes. I feel like Fred might just be faking the the van pullovers. (laughs) Uh, They check out this box that might be a clue. It is. Kind of? A little bit. It's a severed head. Or at least a, a wooden dummy head uh-huh. of Jefferson Stillwell, the guy that was in the portrait. Uh, it's still creepy to look at. Like, I was genuinely shocked oh, yeah. when they pulled a head out of a box. Uh-huh. I didn't expect that on my Scoob. Another big part of the formula is that the team can't stay together. You can't have all your teens in one scene. Uh-huh. 
Ooh, that's yeah. good. It's it's like a two or three teen per scene uh-huh. scene, man. Set up, yeah. <laughs> so the gang splits up. We'll have to separate to follow both tracks. Daphne and I will take this set of tracks. Velma, you, Shaggy, and Scooby follow the other. Shaggy, Velma, Scooby, which seems like your most vulnerable group uh-huh. <laughs> between a, a woman who can't see without her glasses. <laughs> and two scaredy and two cowards cats. on one side. And then you've got like the athletic guy and the pretty lady on the other side. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, if one's going to die, it's, I don't know. It might be them, actually, and I guess in a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, It yeah, might be them. Yeah. Scooby, Shag, and Velma at one point are exploring the house, and they walk through this extended dark room where the only thing that we as viewers can see are their eyes in otherwise darkness. Uh-huh, and at yeah. first, I'm just like, well, this is just the animators get a break because uh-huh. it's just a black screen with, yeah. with eyes. But they're walking through, and they're like, okay, hold my hand so we can walk through this thing and make it out together. And they emerge holding hands with the headless specter. I just want to highlight this because they comment while they're in the dark and they don't know whose hands they're holding. They say, wow, you really have cold hands. So this man who's Uh not a ghost, who's in a costume as a headless specter. Yep. He is so dedicated to this bit as a ghost that he has made his hands cold. Uh He's I don't know if he just like puts his hands on ice in his pockets (laughs) or if he's wearing special ice gloves, gloves. but he is going to the trouble of fully immerse himself in this character. I'm going to have cold hands so that when I have to hold hands with these kids, if that comes Uh up, they're going to get scared. And that's what they do. That's crazy. That is madness. That's wild. He's like, yeah, I sleep in a grave every night. That's right. Just in case <laughs> just they stumble on my house. To they get know, the character. Yeah. yeah. They know I'm possibly dead. As the ghost is revealed and starts chasing our gang, we hit uh, a real fun bit of business here. <laughs> oh, I love it. This is something that was happening every episode, certainly in the second season. Uh, I wrote down bubblegum song chase montage. Uh-huh. You have seen a version of this. If you've ever seen a show where they play a song and people disappear into like doors on the left and they're chased into those doors, but then they appear over here and uh-huh. the bad guy comes out of these doors. And, Wait, and they're wearing there? each other's clothes. And <laughs> yes, yeah. this is the, the origin of that. Uh-huh. Uh, it goes on a very long time. Oh, yeah. Like a full minute and a half long song. Because by the way, the song one isn't even fast paced, so uh-huh. it doesn't fit. Cha- it's not like banjo music. <laughs> And all they're singing about is like lovey-dovey, hippie-ish things. Uh It's called Love the World, performed by George A. Robertson Jr., a.k.a. Austin Roberts, who performed all the Chase songs for this season, (laughs) co-written by Danny Jansen, which when it's written J-A-N-S-S-E-N, that makes me want to say Jansen. (laughs) And that guy wrote the Partridge Family theme song. Let's take a listen. Uh, Just imagine that you're being chased by a headless ghost, and this is how someone scores your terror. And you're going to hear sound effects of the cartoon as they're being chased scene to scene to scene by this ghost. Oh, man. I just imagine Cartoon Son smiling at a guy strolling down a dirt path, waving his cap to people. Uh-huh. This is not ghost chase music. <laughs> but even more importantly for us, Travis, you know, every Halloween season, it is a time for us here on the Days Past Tooncast to ponder what a ghost is. Mm, uh, yes, this got raised for yes. us in our, in our second episode, way back when, uh, when we first covered the real Ghostbusters. Right. It just seems like every every show we cover that has something that's called a ghost in it, something seems off. There's a disconnect. Something seems wrong. Now, yeah. in this, they, they do seem to be implying that there was a person who existed and that this is their ghost. Now, we know, again, this is actually just a, a person uh, having a Josh, you know? That's it. <laughs> just Josh. But 
from the perspective of the Scooby gang, they're being chased around uh-huh. by a ghost. I want to know what exactly they think the ghost will do to them if it catches up to them. The interactions <laughs> they're having with this ghost, it's it's just running on its feet after them. It's it, The way it looks is basically like colonial plantation owner garb. Not, those right. are two different things. No, I'm with you. Like, but plantation follow. garb. That's a picture. Yeah, yep. without a head. That's uh-huh. it. Chasing you on two feet. Uh-huh. Up and down, running only as fast as you do. And they're trying to pull all kinds of tricks on the ghost to just hide from it. Like they Uh hide in vases. (laughs) But they're just afraid of it, which I understand. Like some things are just scary and you don't know what they're going to do to you. Just got to get away. Uh I get that. (laughs) At one point, they push pillows into the blankets of a bed and they hide behind the bed. The ghost shows up, jumps onto the bed, and like a child throwing a tantrum, just jumps up and down on the pillows like, you motherfuckers! Ah!" Again, I know that's a man. What do they think is happening at that point? Do they think that the ghost is just going to beat him up? Uh-huh. Like, I, I feel like once I see somebody do that, the mystery has been lifted. <laughs> once you've jumped up and down on what you think is my body in a bed. Uh-huh. And, and a, a sharp sickle has not cut my skin. Yeah, I'm, or, I'm in the clear. I don't feel like a cold presence in the house. I don't uh-huh. feel like my, my hair isn't standing up on my, my arms. I'm just watching you <laughs> strong arm me or what you think is me you and my friends. Is this the behavior of a ghost is what I would be asking them if I were present, like as their therapist. I would say, now, is this what you think a ghost does? W- would a ghost give you a noogie? Is that really a... Yeah, a ghost bully. The ghost chases them out to the well from the beginning of the episode. They fall in and discover another trope of every Mm, Scooby-Doo. Trope city. That's going to be the secret tunnel or the trap door. There's also one of those in this. Look, Scooby, a secret tunnel. Hey, look. A trap door. Daphne and Fred have accidentally found a trap door that leads down to what they call a fruit cellar. I think that's just them not knowing what wine is. Uh, I mean, there is like, there are things in jars that are supposed to be, I guess, preserves. Yeah. But like, I guess that's something, that's something you could call it. A fruit cellar? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> our our, our <laughs> experience as people is too close for us to know. Uh-huh. Like, I, I can't lean on you or you on me for- Not, not for fruit cellar A talk. different view on fruit cellar. No. Like we, both of us are way yeah. removed from that. Uh, I'll okay. follow you any path you go down. All right, well, I, yeah. I believe that they exist, but I would, you know, wine cellar is what oh. I would think. Uh, well, they managed to meet each other in this fruit cellar because these two secret paths lead there. But it is filled with, it was supposed to have been filled with fruit, preserves, oh. I'm assuming, because there's a bunch of jars and Scooby and Shaggy, when they, they're running around a lot, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. and they're scared and that burns a lot of calories. Oh, and yeah. they're always hungry. Yep. So they pick up the jars and they start eating and chew for a, a very long time uh-huh. on what turns out to be balloons, uh. not fruit. <laughs> Like I've I've chewed on a balloon before. Uh huh. You know it's a balloon right oh, away. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not sure. a, a reveal over time. Uh, they <laughs> find that they're balloons. They find a helium gas tank nearby. Oh my god! The ghost in the well would have been one of these helium balloons with a sheet on it. Somebody's pulling the wool over our uh-huh. eyes, jinkies! <laughs> so they start following clues. They send Scooby and Shaggy to go check out one of these clues. Why they would send them? I feel like they're like they're, these guys are expendable. Uh-huh. Oh, and this for might sure. be dangerous. Yeah. They send them to go check out one of these clues and ultimately run into the ghost again. Uh-huh. And so they jump up on helium balloons that uh-huh. are big enough to carry them in the air. And the ghost jumps on one, too, and is just chasing them through the air on helium balloons, kicking their balloons again, just bullying them. What do you think 
a ghost is, is. this ghost yeah. behavior. <laughs> Just if you think, if you find yourself afraid of what you think might be a ghost, ask yourself, is this ghost behavior? Yeah, this ghost has has only tickled me at this point and ridden a balloon with me, <laughs> yes. like we're on a, a ride somewhere. Well, they end up crashing these balloons, and that is when we get our first unmasking. We get a twofer. Oh, yeah. This yeah, episode, because yep. usually the bad guy's going to have to be unmasked. Well, one of them is right now. The man in the Spectre suit reveals himself as someone we've never seen up to this point. I am Penrod Steelwall, great, great, great grandson of Jefferson Steelwall. I invented the legend of the headless Spectre to scare people away. There's a hidden treasure someplace in that old house that is rightly mine. I was afraid someone would find it and steal it. Penrod just sounds like a dick joke. It does. Like pencil no, dick. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure I'm not the only one thinking this. Um, Penrod, that is that a real name? I don't think ever? so. Okay. I'm gonna call bullshit. <laughs> so Penrod, who we've we've not met. I mean, we have, I guess, as a ghost, but <laughs> he's a real man who was just trying to protect. He was just trying to protect the treasure that would be rightfully his. That he just doesn't know where it is. Yep. How many people had tried to steal it before he decided ghost fraud is uh-huh. the way to protect it? Oh, I feel like more than ten. More than ten <laughs> would would warrant this. I, and then I want to know. How did, does he get drunk down at the tavern in town and happen to spill that there's supposed to be treasure? And he's like, oh, hell happened again. Uh-huh. I'm going to be a ghost hey, now. He goes to the bathroom, t- takes a whiz, and it's written yeah. on the stall. Well, apparently it's, he finds it necessary. And the gang is really understanding of his situation. They're very forgiving. There is, however, a clanging sound going on in the background. What could that possibly be? That's been going on throughout the episode. And now they're going to get to the bottom of it because it's not coming from old Penrod. Old Penrod. He's here. Uh huh. <laughs> they follow it to the attic and they find this is the laziest ghost costume you've ever seen because it's uh. not the sheet is not even covering his whole body. It's Asa. It's the guy from the beginning in his coveralls and the top third of his body is in sheet. And he's just taking an axe to the attic because he thinks that the treasure is hidden in there, which causes a bit of mayhem. But things turn out that the treasure is knocked out of a column in the house. The guy who owns the house gets the treasure Uh as he should. And they unmask this second suddenly present ghost that was not a threat the rest of the time. So it's law and order. (laughs) You know what you're getting. Yeah. And Asa, you know, they don't give us the exact quote that you think that they would. That is, everyone knows coming from Scooby-Doo when you unmask somebody that, and I'd have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddlesome kids. Damn meddlesome kids. They come really close. They do... I don't know that Asa... They paraphrase. Asa Shanks wouldn't have known the word meddlesome. Oh, okay. Is yep. my guess. Uh-huh. And they're staying true to the character. <laughs> now let's see who our phony phantom really is. It's Asia Shanks. My greedy neighbor trying to steal the treasure. And I'd have found it if it wasn't for you snoopers. You snoopers. You little dirty snoopers. <laughs> you little snoopers. Snoopers sounds like a place where you would buy wings and uh-huh. like practical joke Hell memorabilia. Yeah. They, have, they have a good draft beer. <laughs> Well, we've come full circle finally, and that's how Scooby-Doo's like to do it. They're symmetrical. They start off with a, a shady guy, and they end with a shady guy. Unmasked. There was no ghost. There was nothing supernatural here. And just a, a little teeny bit of trivia. <laughs> Mr. Cosmos himself, Carl Sagan, the man in love with space and science, supposedly liked Scooby-Doo because it constantly disproved the existence of ghosts and monsters and supernatural things. And Carl Sagan, I have a copy of the book here. It's very old, Cosmos, and I respect the hell out of him. 
But what a fucking killjoy. Oh, yeah. Wet blanket, oh, McGee. Oh, finally a cartoon that proves that ghosts don't exist. Do you think that kids need that, Carl? Come on. That you just live I hate, and die. I hate this. Neil deGrasse Tyson is even worse about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, oh, you think that those things could even be entertaining? You're an idiot. Uh-huh. Get science up your ass, you fucker. <laughs> Planets are the, the way. These mother effers. Uh, F them where F they live. Them. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? Carl Sagan? Eventually, you wouldn't like Scooby-Doo because mm-hmm. it kept going for a long time after this episode <laughs> and after this season. And eventually, things got a little realer uh-huh. than criminals and masks. In the 70s, following Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Scooby-Doo was still on the air. It changed format a bit. 1972, they started doing one-hour specials featuring guests. Guests included real people like Mama Cass, the famously choked on a ham sandwich member of the Mamas and the Papas. Mm-hmm. Don Knotts was on there. Sonny and Cher. <laughs> the Harlem Globetrotters came on. Also the famously real Batman and Robin and Adam's <laughs> family and the Three Stooges. All guests. Not not featured characters, but guests on the show. Jump the shark or not? I, no. Yeah, I mean, how no. could you jump... This is the kind of show that can't jump the shark because it's it's campy as hell from the start. So, uh-huh. like, I mean, jump the shark? No, I don't think so. That's what they were getting into immediately post this show. <laughs> the 70s did see an explosion of teens solving crimes thanks to Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Like, a lot of shows that somehow fitted into their their pitch. Some of them more obviously ripping it off and some of them maybe less so. Uh, famously, Josie and the Pussycats. That's a Hanna-Barbera. Mm-hmm. They are in a band this time. Yep. And they're solving mysteries. Uh, there's a shaggy wannabe that's played by Casey Kasem on uh-huh. it. <laughs> there was a show called The Funky Phantom. We found a friend, friend, friend in Funky Phantom. Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. <laughs> Goober and the Ghost Chasers. It's Goober and the Ghost Chasers. How many mysteries were solved incorrectly by teens in uh. the 1970s? They were just a boom <laughs> business for them. Somewhere in there, as Scoob kept trucking along, the Scooby family or the Dew family uh, expanded a little bit. Most notably, when the ratings were slipping around 1979, they added somebody that really divides the fan base. Uh-huh. Like a major point of contention. <laughs> People hate this guy. Yep. I grew up with him. I, I kind of dig him. Yep. Scrappy Doo. Hi, I'm Scrappy Doo. Scrappy Dappy Doo. Scooby. Scrappy Dappy Doo. They also they started jettisoning teens from the show where they could. Like, I think Fred stopped showing up. Daphne might still be around. Velma, they just kind of pulled them in as necessary. But it starts to become just the Shaggy and Scooby plus Scrappy show. Uh. Uh, and not everybody digs that. <laughs> you said it's divided. It's, it's, a, it divide, it's a very divisive <laughs> addition to the lore of Scooby-Doo. Then the 1980s hit. And according to Carl Sagan, if you managed to reach him for a comment, uh. he's dead. See where those planets got him. Uh. Scooby lost his way because in the 1980s, Scooby started to deal with real ghosts, real monsters. In 1985, they had a new series called The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Only you can return the demons to the chest. Because you let them out. The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Each episode had a ghost that ran for 12 episodes. 
they stopped before they got to the 13th, 13th ghost. Um, but they were real ghosts. So according to the original model, we're now off the beaten path. Oh, yeah. They and, fell off the wagon. Yeah. Carl Sagan was spinning in his grave if he was already dead or mm-hmm. at least shaking his head, <laughs> taking a strong drink when yeah. he found out about this one. At least arms folded. And Scrappy's there for this one. And he's there for the direct-to-home video movies that we mentioned at the top. Ghoul School, he's in that one. But Ghoul School, those are real monsters. <laughs> The daughters of real monsters, in yeah, fact. So right. they're, they're procreating. We're bringing more uh-huh. monsters into the world. And it's around this time that, again, a, a relatively divisive show in the Scooby canon comes around. This is where we're going to end our Scooby coverage. Mm-hmm. But just know that as far as I'm concerned, I don't yeah. know about you, Travis, yeah. but this wasn't this wasn't a Dark Horizon situation where a pale rider approaches. <laughs> oh, no, they've Muppet-babied my Scooby-Doo's. Oh, right, right. No, this is me as a kid watching this cartoon on a Saturday morning and, if nothing else, loving the theme song so much and, frankly, laughing at how great a show it was. <laughs> the show, of course, is a pup named Scooby-Doo. A pup named Scooby-Doo. Dude, I was double dutching this and the original eating pancakes. Yeah. I don't even know why you have to be on one side or the other. Oh. <laughs> you could love Scooby original flavor. You could love new Scoob. Yeah. They had kid versions of the teens. They had new animation. It looked great. You had a ba- a puppy. Scrappy-Doo's out. We got baby Scoob. Uh-huh. We don't need him. We're going to cover this show at some point, and we will pick up our Scoob coverage at that point in the future uh-huh. when we cover a pup named Scooby-Doo. But hey, if you don't like it, if you don't like Scrappy, if you don't like a pup named Scooby-Doo, go somewhere. How about to fuck yourself? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for hopping on this mystery machine as we cruise through the original brand Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Inc. Kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more like another Muppet Babies version right? of them. Yeah, the Mystery Inc. Kids. <laughs> If you want to be a pal to our little uh, two-man detective team over here, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a written review, and rate us five stars, and follow us. Uh-huh. Follow us. <laughs> we got our Twitter and Instagram at DPTuneCast, and there's also some uh, Scooby-Doo treats over at our website, DPTuneCast.com. And more treats to come in the next couple weeks as we roll through... Halloween season. We're going to drop those treats right into your ear. Your ears are now the plastic pumpkin you carry around on Halloween night. And the candy (laughs) is the podcast that we're making for you. Yep. Next week, get ready for a lot of screaming. If you're Uh. you're used to some loud speak on this podcast, but um, you're going to scream. We're going to scream. Real Monsters, in fact, is the show we'll be covering. A Nick Toon classic. The last of the Nicktoons that I watched as it was coming out. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Same here. It is a Nickelodeon horror comedy show. Uh It is ugly. It is gross in all the best ways that only Nickelodeon can bring you. It's been sitting on our spreadsheet for so long waiting for the right Halloween. Guess what? This is the one. Mm -hmm. We're in it. Come back for that next week. Just... Try not to get too scared in the meantime, thinking about all these monsters and uh-huh. ghouls and yeah, ghosts. Try to get some sleep. Yeah, don't, don't try go to get a little sleepy. sleep. In the meantime, though, I need you to tutor my dude. Tutor my dude. I think I did the same one all the time. I like it, though. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. <laughs>
and more treats to drop in your jack-o'-lantern. Wait, that's what you put on your porch. <laughs> Come back for that. Try not to scare the poopy out of your son. <laughs> Get a dipe. Get yourself a dipe. Come back for that next week. Keep being a Halloween freak. <laughs> <laughs> None of these are good.